Welcome to Kingdom Testimony. This is Lisa. It is Monday, August 22nd. And wow, did we have one heck of a storm last night. 60 mile an hour winds, hail, um, very little damage out here, thank God. But I didn't sleep well. And when it was all over, around 10, 11 o'clock, then after that, I start having weird dreams, and it was just a strange night. But anyway, let's get back into the book. We're nearing the end. We're reading Intramuros by Rebecca. I've always got to look because I screw up her name. Ruder Springer. Although in the book, she takes the name of Bertha Sprague. Um... Mrs. Bertha Sprague is her name. So let's let's get back into it. We're in chapter 17, and I believe there's only 19 chapters, and then the 20th, I guess you could call it a chapter. It's kind of like an, an update. Um, what does she call it? Supplemental chapter. And it's something that she added some time later. So this chapter begins with a poem by Edward Phelps. Someday we say and turn our eyes toward the fair hills of paradise. Someday, sometime, a sweet new rest shall blossom flower-like in each breast. Someday, sometime, our eyes shall see the faces kept in memory. Some day their hand shall clasp our hand, just over in the morning land. O morning land, O morning land. Morning as in time of day, not morning as in sad. One evening, some three years, counted by the calendar of earth, after I had entered upon the joys and duties of the heavenly life, I sat resting upon the upper veranda of our home, after a somewhat arduous journey to a distant city of the heavenly realm. From this part of the veranda, we caught rare glimpses of the river through the overhanging branches of the trees, and just below us, at a little distance, we could see the happy children at their play upon the lawn. Here my brother sought me out, and throwing himself upon a soft veranda lounge near, lay for a time motionless and silent. He looked as wearied as one can ever look in that life, but I felt no anxiety about him, for I knew the rest was sure. He had been absent on some earth mission much of the time for many days, and I knew from experience that some of the fatigue and care of earth will cling to us on such occasions, till we are restored by heaven's balmy air and life-giving waters. He had not told me, as he sometimes did, where his mission had led him, and I had not asked him, feeling sure that all it was best I should know would be imparted. My own duties had of late been unusually responsible, leading me daily to a distant part of the heavenly kingdom. Hence I myself had not visited the beloved of earth for a much longer period than usually elapsed between my visits. When last seen, all of the dear ones had seemed in such rigorous health and were so surrounded by earthly blessings that I had ceased to feel they needed my ministrations as in the early days of their sorrow. Hence I had thrown all of my energies into the work assigned me by the Master. 
At length, after a time of rest, my brother arose to a sitting posture and regarding me for a moment in silence said gently, I have news for you, little sister. A thrill like an electric shock passed through me and in, in an instant I cried out joyously, he is coming. He nodded his head with a sympathetic smile, but did not at once reply. When will it be? Am I to go to him? I asked. He hesitated an instant before saying, of course you are permitted to go if your heart will not be denied. Oh, I must go to him. I must be the first to greet him. Perhaps it may be granted him to see me even while he is yet in the flesh. He shook his head sadly at this and said, no, dear, he will not know you. Why? Frank, tell me all, and why you think, as I plainly see you do, that it is not best I should go. He was stricken suddenly in the midst of his work, while apparently in perfect health, and has not regained consciousness since, nor will he ever on earth. Hence your presence could be no solace to him. When was this? Three days ago I have been with him almost constantly by day and night ever since. Oh, why did you not tell not sooner tell me? It was thought wise to spare you the unnecessary pain of seeing him suffer when you could not minister to him, and I have come to tell you now that you may go if you still so desire. He will know me as soon as the struggle is past? Yes, but he will be bewildered and weak. He will need stronger help and guidance than you alone can give. And you will miss the rapture of the meeting, as it would be a little later on. What would you have me do? You know I will yield to your wiser judgment, even against the pleadings of my heart. But can I wait? I will not say, do not go. You shall accompany me if you wish. I only think that after the first bewilderment of the change has passed, after he has bathed in the waters of the river of life, he will be better prepared for the delightful reunion which awaits him. You remember what the waters did for you, and how bewildered and oppressed in spirit you were till you went with me that morning into the river. It's the same with all of us, only where there has been serious trouble with the brain at last, it is even more needed than on ordinary occasions. And that is the case with my brother. He will not be fully himself until the magical waters have swept the clouds from his brain. You're always right, my brother, and I will yield to your wise advice, although my heart cries out to hasten at once to his side. Will you return to him? Immediately, there will be little time to wait. With the quickening of the morning light, we will be here. My brave-hearted, wise little sister, the delay will be to you neither sorrowful nor long. He arose and bending over me, dropped a kiss lightly on my brow, and in a moment he had passed from my sight. How strange, I thought, that even in this matter, so near to my heart, I am able to yield unmurmuringly. Father, I thank thee. I thank thee for the glad reunion so near at hand. But even more than that, for the sweet submission in all things that has grown into my life, that I can yield to thy will, even when thou permittest it to be otherwise. I bowed my head upon my hand and gave myself up to mingled sad and happy thoughts. Was he, this dearly loved one, indeed insensible to his suffering? Would the father mercifully spare him even the pang of the parting? Oh, that the morning were here, how could I wait even that brief while for the sight of the beloved face? Suddenly a soft touch rested upon my bowed head, 
and a voice I had learned to recognize and love beyond all things in earth or heaven said, Have I not said truly, though he were dead, yet she, shall he live again? What are now the years of separation since the meeting again is at hand? Come and let us reason a little together, the master said, smiling down into my uplifted face. He took my extended hand into his own and sitting down beside me, continued. Let us consider what these years have done for you. Do you not feel that you are infinitely better prepared to confer happiness than when you parted from him that you love? I nodded in glad affirmation. Do you not realize that you stand upon a higher plane with more exalted ideas of life and its duties, and that in the strength of the Father, you two henceforward will walk upward together? Again I gladly acquiesced. Is the home life here less attractive than it was in the earth life? No, no, a thousand times no, I cried. Then there is nothing but joy in the reunion at hand? Nothing but joy, I echoed. Then the father led me on to talk of the one so soon to come, and I opened my glad heart to him and told him of the noble life, the unselfish toil, the high aspirations, the unfaltering trust of him I loved. I spoke of his fortitude and misfortune, his courage in the face of sore trial and disappointment, his forgiveness of even malicious injury, and concluded by saying he lived the Christianity many others professed. He always dis distanced me in that. The face of the master glowed in sympathy as I talked, and when I ceased, he said, I perceive that you have discovered the secret which makes marriage eternal as the years of heaven. Oh, I said, to me, marriage must be eternal. How could it be otherwise when two grow old together and become as one? Death cannot separate them without destroying. They are no longer two perfect beings, but one in soul and spirit forever. Aye, he answered, but having the marriage rite pronounced does not produce this change. It is the divinity of soul, well-to-do soul alone, that can do it. So he led me on until my soul flew upward as a lark in the early morning. He unfolded to me mysteries of the soul life that filled my heart with rapture, but which I may not re here reveal. At length, to my infinite surprise, I saw the rosy glow deepening across the sky and knew that morning, love's morning, had dawned for me in heaven. The master arose and pointed to the radiance, said, by the time thou art ready to receive them, they will be here. And with a smile and a touch that made a benediction, he departed. I, as I arose and stood with face uplifted to the coming day, I caught in the near distance the triumphant notes of the angel's choral song. And this morning, as though in sympathy with my thought, they sang, He is risen, hear it, ye heavens and ye sons of earth. He is risen as become the firstfruits of them that slept. I lift up my voice with joy and joined with their thrilling song. And as they swept onward and the cadence died away, I slowly descended the stairway, crossed the lawn whose flowers never crushed or withered beneath our feet, and sank for a moment beneath the pure waters of the river. I felt no haste, no unwanted excitement or unrest, though I knew that he was coming for whom my soul had waited all these years. The, master, <clears throat> the master's presence had filled me with calm and peace that nothing had power to disturb, had prepared and fitted me 
for the great happiness lying just before me. Uplifted with a new strange delight, I recrossed the lawn, stopping upon the veranda before entering the house, to gather a knot of cream-white roses and fasten them upon my breast. Then going to the library, I refilled the golden bowl with a spicy breathed scarlet carnations, lying one aside to fasten upon my husband's shoulder. I wanted to myself gather the flowers that would greet him on his coming. I twisted up my hair in a manner that he had most admired, and fastened a creamy bud within the folds that I might seem to him as I had of old. Soon after I heard voices and steps, listen, Yes, it is the same dear steps for which I had so often listened, listened in the old home life, the step that had always brought gladness, gladness to my heart and sunshine in our home, his step in heaven. I flew to the open doorway and in an instant was held close in the strong arms and to the loving, throbbing heart of my dear husband. Was there anything more for me that heaven could give? My brother, with thoughtful care, passed onward to the upper rooms of the house, and for a while we were alone together, we whose lives had run so happily mingled through the long years of our mortal life. I drew him within the house, and in the vestibule again he took me in his arms and drew me to his heart. This is heaven indeed, he said. We passed into the flower room, and on its threshold he stood a moment, entranced with its beauty. But when I would have related to him its history, as my brother had given it to me, he said, Not today, my dear. I have only eyes and ears for you today. All else in heaven must wait. So we sat and talked together as in the olden days, and the happy hours came and went, and the day melted into the twilight glow before we realized it was half spent. Our brother Frank had come to us about the noontide, and together we had gone over the lovely house had stood upon the broad verandas and eaten of the heavenly fruit. Then we all sat together where I had spent the hours waiting in the presence of the blessed master. I told them much that he had then had said to me, and how he turned into triumphant rejoicing the hours which I had anticipated would pass in lonely waiting. The eyes of my dear husband were tear-filled, and he pressed my hand, which he still kept in his, in tender sympathy. Oh, darling, it is a blessed, blessed life, I said. I already realize the blessedness, he replied, for has it not given me back my brother and my wife, my precious wife? Early the following morning, I said to my husband and our brother, we must go to father and mother Sprague's today. They have the first claim after ours, Frank. Yes, we will go at once, they both replied. So together we all started. In the earliest days of my heavenly life, I had sought out with much joy the home of my husband's parents, and was by them accorded, as in the earth life, a warm place in their hearts, and many happy hours had we spent together since. Now we were taking to them a favorite son, and I realized how his coming would bring gladness to their hearts and home. It was a joyful meeting, especially to our mother, and the day was far spent before we arose to return. William, said our mother, fondly laying her hand upon his arm. Yours was a happy home on earth. I used to think a perfect home. It will be far happier here, with a loving glance at me. I am sure of that, mother. I have my dear wife and Frank constantly with me, 
and you and my father and Josephine, a favorite niece, to come to hear, and after a while, with a little hesitation, the holier joys and privileges of heaven. We turned to go, and upon the threshold met an aunt, who in the earth life, blind and helpless, had been a favorite with us all. My dear children, she exclaimed, how good it seems to see you all again. Aunt Cynthia, my husband said fondly. Yes, Aunt Cynthia, but no longer groping helpless in the darkness. Whereas once I was blind, now I see, she quoted, smiling happily. And so it was the master's touch had rested on the sightless eyes and closing to the darkness of earth, they had opened upon the glories of heaven. Marvelous transition. No wonder we left her singing. Glory to him who this marvel hath wrought, filling my spirit with joy and delight. Lo, in my blindness, I safely have walked out of the darkness into the light. And that's the end of chapter 17. Thank you for joining me, and I pray you have a blessed day.